0: welcome to conservation unfiltered presented by conserve the wild your destination for an unfiltered look at conservation now let's get wild merry christmas everyone thank you for joining me for another episode of the conservation unfiltered podcast today's special episode christmas eve and all this is number 30 next level deer knowledge I know, I know, so why another episode focusing on deer and the Quality Deer Management Association? I get it. And there are a lot of reasons, but honestly, it's because I just finished taking the course for a second time. I'll get into why I've taken the course twice now. I'll do that later on. Uh, but this course, took it again. My father took it at the same time. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, And basically, right now, I just want to dive into what the course offers and how you can also register to take the exact same course. The Quality Deer Management Association is the foremost authority on sharing knowledge about whitetail deer. They have vast resources of knowledge that they've compiled over the years. And QDMA members know this. So, they expressed an interest in taking their knowledge of deer to the next level. These members wanted to become advanced deer managers as well as hunters. And this led the QDMA to create certification programs that include personal instruction and even property certification. The first of these certification programs, and the one we're going to be focusing on today, is the Deer Steward 1 course. Currently, this course is offered online through a partnership with Clemson University. By allowing hunters to access this course online, it becomes very convenient and affordable. And I'll be honest, it was very user-friendly. Basically, you gain access to recordings of presentations from previous Deer Store classes. Speakers in the videos include wildlife biologists Kip Adams, Joe Hamilton, Brian Murphy, and Matt Ross. Professor Dr. Craig Harper, a renowned wildlife specialist at the University of Tennessee, and Dr. Carl Miller of the University of Georgia, also present findings on deer. I mean, talk about a wealth of knowledge, all compiled in one place. So, once you get into the course, how is it put together? Basically, the class is broken down into six modules, or sections. Each module covers a very specific topic. So just to let you in on what these topics are, number one is the history of the QDMA, whitetail biology and ecology. Number two is herd management. Number three, current concerns about whitetail deer. Number four is about habitat management. Number five is hunter management. And number six is herd monitoring. In each of these modules, there are multiple videos, copies of the PowerPoint presentations, and supplemental readings as well. There's an amazing amount of information at your fingertips, and at first glance, it can look a little intimidating, but trust me, you have nothing to worry about because you have 180 days or six months to complete the course. Truthfully, though, I find the extended time a blessing and a curse. I know what you're doing right now. You're getting on your phone while you're listening to me and you're starting to pull up the QDMA website. And you're trying to look into this course yourself. I get it. It's exciting to think about how much you can learn about deer. The biggest thing you're going to want to know is how much does this cost? I'll tell you. It's pennies on the knowledge dollar. The cost for non-QDMA members is $200. But you also get a QDMA membership. So you actually save a little bit of money. If you're not already a member... This is a great way to become a member. If you're already a QDMA member, which you should be, I've talked about enough. I am, you should be, let's, let's keep this rolling, right? Um, there's a reduced cost of $175. The QDMA offers this class free for active military members in combat zones as well. So if you're listening overseas, hey, start taking the course, get your mind off of, uh, what you're currently thinking about when you have some downtime, and think about what you're gonna do when you come back home. The last tidbit of information is for people looking to pursue continuing forestry education credits. So, if you're a forester, you need to get some extra credits. Uh, you will need to pay an extra $50 uh, for that level, right, to be able to get these credits. So, if you're not worried about them, don't worry about it. If you do need them, you're gonna have to shell out an extra $50, which in my mind, would be uh, well worth the cost. Now that we got all the details out there about the course, generally what's covered in it, who the speakers are, how you can access it, and how much it costs, I want to share my experience. I'll start with the fact that I originally took this course four years ago. I know. I get it. Why would I take it again, right? A lot of the same information. And much of it was. However, it's been updated with some new research and information on deer movement, on CWD, things that I was interested in being up to date on. And another reason is my dad took the course, right? So um, I wanted to take the course along with him so that I could be refreshed and we could have discussions based around the content that we were both studying in this course. I found that the second time I took the course was by far much more enjoyable. And the reason why was because my dad was taking the course with me. So we were able to talk about things. We were able to bounce around ideas to on ways that we could apply these concepts on our own properties and how we can improve the herd and the habitat and the hunting on our property by using what we were learning in here. Being able to talk to someone else made it so much more enjoyable for me the second time around. As far as the topics discussed in those six modules, I really enjoyed that first module the most. The history, the biology, and the ecology. With more detailed topics within the biology of it, like biology and behavior, senses and communication, and an updated look at deer movements and home range, I really learned and relearned how and why deer act like they do. You know, the amazing thing about growing up hunting, for me, is that while I think I know a lot about whitetail deer, I really don't understand why they do the things they do. There are so many little details that are overlooked when you're only looking through your binoculars or the peep of your bow or the scope of your hunting rifle. So the one that I really, 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 really enjoyed is the video on deer movements and home range use. So our family property at our cabin is about 70 acres that's far less than the typical range of white-tailed deer especially a buck so being able to see gps movements of deer on a map helped us really look at what deer we were seeing and why we were seeing them at certain times when i coupled that with the information uh, in the blog post post for the deer forest study a lot of pieces start falling into place The one module that seems to get everyone excited is, of course, on herd management. As a property owner and a hunter, it's interesting to see and learn how to monitor, evaluate, and address the deer herds that frequent your property. The presentation did cover how state agencies look at management, but really, they're trying to hammer home the need for management on a smaller level. Just because the state says you can take this many deer, or just because the state says uh, you know, these are the, the numbers that we need in this management unit, right? They can cover hundreds of square miles uh, or a very large chunk of, of the state. What you're seeing on your own property might dictate something completely different. And it was great to to relearn and find some new information on how you can monitor that deer herd and you can track it and you can evaluate it and by using some very simple methods, like a trail camera survey, be able to come to your own conclusions on, should I shoot doe this year? If so, how many? Also included in that herd management module is a presentation on antler growth, deformities, and genetics. And that's another one that a lot of people are interested in. The antlers just look cool, right? This presentation is one of the reasons why I love the QDMA. Brian Murphy went into great detail on how antlers grow, what nutrients are needed. He also talked about how deformities occur and the role genetics play. So, did you know that if a deer has an injury to a right rear leg, this will cause a deformity to the left antler while, you know, during antler growth or previous to antler growth? If you've ever watched a buck that has a fully developed one side of an antler and only a spike on the other, a lot of people would think, ah, that's, you know, not going to come back, um, all this stuff. Well, why did that injury occur? Like, what happened? Well, what happened was, when he shed that antler, or maybe it got broken off, the pedicle, where the antler grows from the from the skull, that, ba- <clears throat> that base, it then, after that, will grow with just... A spike, right? But that's different from an injury to the antler in velvet, right? So some people like to think that we need to kill bucks that have uh, antler growth that's not up to potential, right? Uh, so if it's a, an injury to the pedicle, understandable. Uh, if it's an injury to uh, a right rear leg, or a front leg, and it's going to be like that year after year, okay, fine. You can make that management decision. But what they're also saying is that you can even have a buck that injured his antler while it was in velvet, right? And that causes a deformity. And when that deformity occurs, we think, ah, oh, that's, that, that's not, you know, a pretty rack. It's not symmetrical. But if it was because of that, the next year, he's not going to have that same deformity. Right. So their big thing uh, as far as managing based on the way antlers look is, OK, this buck doesn't look right. Wait till next year. Don't take it right now. If we wait till next year, it might come back and be what it was before and, and be up to its full potential. If it's not, then go ahead and, and take that deer. And keeping all that in mind, you know, of course, genetics were talked about. And Brian stayed right in line with what the QDMA's message is on how to grow bigger antlered deer. I mean, that's what gets most hunters excited. And it's really simple. Food and age are the only things that we as hunters and herd managers can control. The older a deer gets to a certain point, the bigger its antlers are going to be. The better food that it gets typically from habitat, the bigger the antlers are going to be, or at least the closest to the full potential that that buck has will be, right? Uh, So it makes sense, right? Because half of the genetics that are passed on to each buck fawn is going to come from the does, right? Uh, So because of that, since does don't have antlers, we can't really control the antler genetics in a wild population of deer. Yes, the deer farms are on a, a very highly managed ranch. Uh, you can sort of a little bit control some of those genetics, right? But you're never going to get 100% because, you know, and especially not in the wild deer population because we don't know what kind of antler growth potential are in is in the DNA of those does, right? Another factor that is surprising to me, and it's surprising to a lot of people is that typically a buck's only going to sire a handful of fawns in their lifetime, up to 10 or, or 15, right? And the craziest part is, is that when a doe has twin fawns or, or three fawns, right? Uh, we oftentimes like to see doe with multiple fawns and oftentimes that's what they uh, will do. There's a really good chance that those fawns are going to have separate fathers, and that really good chance is over 20%, between 22 and 29%. That might seem low when you're thinking up to 100%, but think about that. There's a there are doe out there, roughly 20% of the doe that are on your property that are having twins. 20% of the time, those twins are going to have two different fathers. So, if you're following QDMA's message of trying to let young bucks walk. We don't understand the full, you know, you're you you can not see the full potential what that buck's going to look like, but it's still going to sire fawns, right? Bucks that are dominant and come into rattling and do the the rutting act, the have that rutting behavior we're looking for. They don't dominate the breeding. It's you know, they're the doe are just trying to be bred, so they're going to allow multiple bucks to breed them, and they may have twenty percent of the time fawns that are sired by different bucks. So this is just yet another reason why management methods that focus on calling really aren't feasible, especially in a wild deer population. And now I'm joined by my father, Jeff Creighton, who took the class with me, the Deer Steward Course Online. Uh, so here he's going to explain how he thought about the class. So we'll start first with what are your overall impressions? Uh, that, I guess
1: I went into the class more out of, uh, yeah, I don't, I won't say a dare, but just the fact that you were remarked on your first time of taking it, some of the things you learned. So I was a more curiosity of, uh, what was it all about overall? I thought it was excellent. Uh, they you know, Being a long time removed from studying and learning, it took a little bit back to get used to it. But the uh, lectures were very easy to listen to, and uh, I I think I I learned quite a bit. So my overall impression was it's a very, very good class for anybody interested in the
0: whitetail deer. So my favorite part continues to be from the first time to the second time taking it is how to age live deer on the hoof because it's something that I'm still struggling with uh, and still trying to get better at. What was your favorite part of the class?
1: I, I guess maybe that's a, that part of my favorite, but the uh, I'd say the whitetail biology in general, the, uh, the when, antler growth, uh, some of the uh, reproduction, some of their I mean even as much as when they talk about some of their eyes and that, I think myself being an older hunter and growing up with older hunters and myself, you hear some, some things from hunters that you just took for granted were true because you've heard them so much. And to hear actual wildlife biologists that are doing these studies and telling you exactly what they're finding, you find out that some of the things that I've that I've always thought were true were not very much true at all.
0: Yeah, there's a, a lot of myths out there um, that we continue to hear. And, you know, I continue to hear with family members and friends and you know, until you get presented with that information, um, you believe them because, you know, why Why wouldn't you? That That's what you've learned. Uh, what is there anything that was covered that you wish you might have learned a little bit more about in the class or maybe you'll even be looking into a little bit more on your own? Yeah, I,
1: I, I've been on other podcasts and probably anybody that listens to them probably heard me say this before, but again and again... We don't only own a, a small parcel of ground, and I guess it's not so much what I would like, wish I heard more of, but I wish they, it was more directed or ways that, you know, somebody with a smaller area of ground, how they can use these ideas and make them applicable to their application, uh, and I know the QDMA mantra, and which we are trying to do, mm-hmm. is to get the co-ops, get, get your other people involved, and we're going to continue to try to do that up there, but if you can't, or until you do, it, it is frustrating to try to uh, you know, try to visualize how these some of these things are going to work on our property. Uh, I think they do do a fair job of doing that, but I wish they'd get into that in a little more detail. Of course, you can't cover everything in the, our videos that we're watching, mm-hmm. or and, and I'm glad they're an hour. That was that's another thing I liked about it. They were all segmented enough that you learned without
0: getting overwhelmed with information. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. Uh, Definitely want to recommend anyone who is interested in deer to take these courses. Uh, They are well worth the money, uh, so much so that I took it a second time after they updated with some newer information. Uh, If you could give us a rating review on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate that. But even more, if you could share this podcast with a friend and have them listen to it, Our whole goal here is to bring information and educate people. So the more people that can listen, the more education we are doing. Until next week, have a good one and stay wild.